In this week's episode, I'm joined by Celia Daniels, founder and CEO of Rebicon Consulting, who is redefining DEIB from the bathroom to the boardroom. This week, our conversation is about CVS rolling out their collection of accessible products, the first male American pro sports coach to come out as gay, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Celia, will you please introduce yourself? Thank you, Bernadette. I'm honored to be on your show. Uh, my throat is a little groggy, but I'm going to try my best. I uh, had a lot of partying this weekend. so <laughs> um, Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. My name is Celia Sandhya Daniels. I'm the founder, as Bernadette was talking about, Rebecon Consulting. I named this company after my daughter, who's my big advocate and a supporter for what I do in terms of social justice and corporate justice work that I do. So I'm a 25, I have 25 years of management consulting experience with healthcare and life census companies across North America. And most of my teams that I managed are across the globe. I worked with different kinds of clients, right from Blue Cross to United, uh, to all the pharmaceutical biopharmas across um, North America and in India as well. I'm an Asian Indian entrepreneur. I am a musician. I'm a parent of a 24-year-old beautiful daughter. I'm married to a cisgender woman. There's a lot going on. I love music and I compose. I'm also a great hiker, blogger. So much going on in my life. But unfortunately, people just fixate on one thing as Celia is trans. You know, oh, Celia is trans. I mean, to me, I like that, but that's not the only identity that I bring to the table in our discussion today. And you will know why. But that's in general a quick snapshot of what I do. And uh, let's hear more uh, from the questions today. And I would love to discuss a little bit more about my work and what I do in my personal life. Yeah, actually, thank you for that great introduction. I would love to hear a little bit of the story of how you transitioned from corporate to entrepreneurship. How did, what, how did that come about? Yeah, that's a, it was a difficult decision. And I also talk about it like this is like a professional suicide. Um, sorry for that word, but it is difficult when you have been successful as a brown businessman in the corporate world for 25 years and have all these accolades and network of clients that I work with. And I was going through gender incongruence, which was previously known as gender dysphoria. There was a time in my life because I have been having this since I was four years old. It's just that I was trying to breathe underwater for a long time. Especially after I was working in the corporate industry, I came out and I tried to explain to the companies that I can bring the same value as Celia 
to the table, to the corporate world. But unfortunately, the way they look at you is, oh, you're not that brown person, Daniels, that we know, and you're completely different. You are not just a person of color, but you're a trans person. And here you go, way down in the bottom of the food chain, in the corporate ladder. I was struggling after I came out in 2017, trying to find a job where I would fit in. And I was a senior director in some of the consulting firms. I was a client partner for a lot of the life sciences activities and initiatives in the West Coast. I was running, managing close to $250 million P&L and portfolio. I had a large team around 800 people across the globe and around 120 people in Thousand Oaks, California. So that was the size of my portfolio. I did a lot of work with different clients. When I came out as Celia, everything just collapsed. The empire that I built completely collapsed because the world was not ready to accept the same person who has now, who's now presenting in a different gender. So that's when I found that equity is a big issue. And mind you, all these companies are companies that pinkwash and they have this pride flags flying around and everything is about pride. And to me, it was great. The HRC Corporate Equality Index was 100% in some of these companies. And that's why I chose these companies. And I wanted to say that I'm a trans person and I know that your company is inclusive and I want to apply for a job in your company and I can bring value and to your business and to your, to your mission and uh, as a CEO. Unfortunately, it didn't work. Uh, I was struggling for a job for almost a year. But I I also did a social experiment, which is very interesting. After one year, I changed my resume back to Daniels and I took off all the pronouns, took every reference of a trans person. And I put that into the system and I had three interviews in one month. So it was not just something where you can say, oh, by the way, the companies are trying to do something or maybe they're just busy or they're not really looking at your resume because your resume is not good enough. But I checked and found that this is what is happening. I can't work as Daniel anymore. Uh, and that's when I started my own consulting firm. And I went back to these companies and I, my own clients. And I said, hey, I'm here as Celia now. I understand your business and I can add value. Are you open to that? And some companies accepted me and I've started consulting with them. So that's what I do. <laughs> wow. Wow, I'm so sorry. That sounds really painful. So was that around like 2018, 2019 that you were going through that unemployment? Just before COVID. And in 2019, I did get some engagements with some of my clients. I was working with them managing projects. And um, of course, COVID was pretty intense. And um, just this year, it's been a little different. And I can tell you why. We will talk a little bit about that as well. But yeah, it's around that time. Well, you know, I, this story, it, this show is about good vibes in DEI and it sounds like you're living your best life now and you have a lot of love and uh, opportunities now. Mm -hmm. What's, what's giving you hope when there are so many negative headlines and there are so many things that could be reasons for despair? What's giving you hope, Celia? I think uh, when I look at the younger generation, I'm always hopeful that in 2030, there are going to be probably 70% um, of the workforce are going to be Gen Zs and millennials. So we are looking at a world where you have younger generation and they care about social impact. They care about 
environmental impact. Like my daughter, she's much more concerned about a lot of things. She cares about human beings. She cares about the value of the company they work. And I hope that they keep this, the foot on the pedal in terms of what the priorities are and what they're looking for in the companies. When I look at the younger generation, I feel like we need to build open pathways for them rather than building monuments for ourselves. And that's what I see with the leaders today, where they're just building all these monuments and they want all this umpire around it and they, they, they just start moving into those spaces. But I feel like it's important to look at the younger generation because they are the future. So what gives me hope is we need to constantly educate folks. We need to engage and we need to empower folks like myself in the corporate world. And that's the only way you want to move from empathy to empowerment. That's where I feel that a lot of companies lack. They sympathize with you because, you know, you're trans. They want to give you a job. They want to empathize with you because you have certain issues that are more common in the corporate world. But when it comes to empowerment, you may be taking that space because I might be your manager. I will be managing you. And that's when they are not ready. But I've seen that what gives me hope is when you just expand and keep on educating because you always want to educate uh, folks. Most of the companies, I believe, are more ignorant in certain ways, have to integrate trans and gender diverse folks within the company. So that's why I keep educating and I'm hopeful. There are lots of companies where I was discriminated and now they have changed. I have gone back and I've started educating them and I've seen a big change, a big shift in spite of all that rhetoric that's going on in this world. I'm hopeful there are a lot of companies and CEOs who are really transformative, not performative, and that gives me hope. Well, it sounds like you've been a part of that change and part of laying that, setting that precedent and laying that groundwork for trans folks to come at those companies. So so thank you on behalf of the community at large. Uh, really appreciate everything that you're doing. Well, let's get into uh, this week's five things. Let's get into the good vibes. Uh, let me just preface by saying that, you know, something that we've talked about quite a bit on the show is this concept of yes and. And, and so, yeah, some of these stories, there's still lots of work to do, but we embrace the yes and. We embrace the Yes, it's going right, and we still need to keep that up. And that's something that's come up, come up a lot and was the subject of um, my opening in this week's newsletter. But let's just get right into the stories. Okay, so the first story comes from the state of Florida here in the U.S., in which there have been a number of conventions which have canceled their events in Florida because of the controversial policies against LGBTQ rights and race so we've seen cancellations that are now costing Florida millions of dollars in lost revenue from hotel bookings, transportation, and tourism in general. So I think that it's really great to see organizations, conventions taking a stand and pulling, pulling themselves out of this state, which has really become an unpleasant place to be different, at least in, the, in terms of public policies. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what was that a question? I'm sorry. No, anything you want to add to that? Absolutely. Um, I think uh, when people humanize issues rather than politicize them, that's when we have all these lots of the uh, negative, I would say, impressions about the community. Because uh, one of the things that I want to always say is when I was four years old, I came out to my mom. Uh, this was in the early 70s, and I'm 54 years old now. Nothing has changed. 
So it's not about children just coming out and saying, hey, I'm gay or I'm just binary or gender non-binary, I'm trans. It's They're getting more bold because they have a voice now. Those days, like 25 years back, 50 years back when I was coming out, there was no voice for people like me. And uh, now I see that a lot more education, a lot more acceptance. Parents are realizing the change. Politicians are realizing the change. Uh, I see a lot of uh, folks who are in the schools, they're realizing the change. And they're starting to be more accommodating to people who are different. And that's how the world should be. It should be, it should not grow narrow into just focusing on a few intersections. But the whole thing is, when a person comes to the workplace or they are part of a school system, they bring the intersectionalities into that. But for instance, I'm an immigrant, I'm an Asian person, and I'm a trans person as well. I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a parent, I'm a blogger, musician. So being trans is not my agenda. You know, I want to live, I want to be, I want to thrive in my workplace. I want to do things that are interesting to me. I love music a lot. So there are so many things that when people box you into, like, hey, you're in South Asian, you know, I, I don't like people like you. When I talk about music, they'll be like, oh my God, you play Die Straits? Oh my God, you play this one? You are into Sting? Yeah, and they kind of take the element of bias away. You know, there's a lot of things that, so I, I feel that it's important for us to look at a human being in a holistic perspective and uh, trying to help integrate them within the policies, within the companies, within the school system, within any social social communities, rather than all these issues, because you know that there are 51% of the trans folks, because of the society, they, they are attempting suicide. The suicidal ideation is very high. And uh, more than 70% of the LGBTQ folks are going through mental health issues. It's only because of the fact that they have to keep proving themselves, even when they go to the grocery store, when they go to schools, when they just even go to the churches or go to the playground, go to the movie theater. They're always somebody, someone saying something. And it's so hard for you to live in a world where someone just kind of invalidates you. And those are the elements that needs to disappear. And lastly, I will say in that one thing is, I'm hopeful. These bills have been passed many times with Garner Abbott in Texas. It's also happened in North Carolina, uh, where there was a bill that was passed many years back about the bathroom issues. But they don't know how to implement it because you can misgender people. You can ostracize people who are cisgender as well. They didn't realize how to implement these bills. They can do it in a proper way, but I don't think they know how to do it because it's not a political issue. It is a medical condition. This is not a lifestyle choice. I don't wake up one day and think, I think it's cool to be trans. No, it is not. I'm trans. And it's not a lifestyle choice. This is my life. And that's what people miss out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I, I completely agree. And thank you so much for, for being your authentic self on the show. And again, for, for setting a precedent and paving the way for other folks to follow. All right. The second story this week comes from Chicago where I live and there's a, a, a pastry shop, uh, on the South side called justice of pies, the pastry chef, Maya Camille Broussard is hard of hearing. And when she opened her, her shop, she created it to be inclusive. So it has accessible counters, lower height counters for people in wheelchairs, braille inscriptions, and language that welcomes and respects everyone. She, as a hard of hearing person, leverages her own heightened sense of smell and taste to create amazing products. Great story. I love this story. 
Yeah, I really like that part of it because if you see companies today, they focus more on ethnicities. You know, it's important to have the ethnicities. But what I feel is sometimes inclusion can bring exclusion. I'll give you an example. If you feel that, to me, allies are important in any part of the workplace. Even our parents are allies. My wife and my daughter are my allies. And there's other intersection that we need to look at as the LGBTQ community, um, the people with disabilities and veterans. So this, these three sections within the ERG or these three uh, groups within the ERG, they are from different ethnicity groups too. And when you really have a mindful change within your company, it should not be just internal, but it should be external as well. For instance, if you have um, uh, inclusion within your company, you want to bring in inclusive practices, policies and procedures and equity and focusing on a lot of areas. It should not be just focused on internally, but also your customers out external as well. Like how this person is doing is amazing because I, I remember, I'll, I'll give you this example quickly. I was in ER. I had some issues and I was in lying in the gurney there and the nurse came to me. She pulled my ID and she looked at it. It said X there. She looked at it, she looked at me, she heard my voice, and she went and entered mail in the system. And I couldn't argue with her because I was just recovering from a heart attack. <laughs> and can you imagine, I'm in the most vulnerable state in my life, and I'm like looking at her trying to enter an M. And I, what hit me was she's willing to change, but the system that I looked into, it was G or Siemens or some system, it had only male and female because they only care about gender at birth. And they didn't think about the fact that I could be a trans person who could be entered into the system. So you need to have not just inclusive policies, procedures, but also inclusive systems. Sometimes the supplier diversity is so key. When you're having colors in your system, you need to make sure that it's accessible for people who have visual who are visually impaired, who are visual for color blindness. And there are lots of things that you need to keep within a UI UX in mind when you build these applications, when you build these inclusive spaces like this person did. It's so important because she's not just creating a, an environment, but she's creating a revolution for people to follow. I would really learn to uh, love to shop there. I know my daughter just finished, graduated from Northwestern in Chicago. And one of the places I really love about food in Chicago is like, it's such an amazing place. But this is so important. It's inclusivity, both internal and external, and how you change the ecosystem in this world. I'm really glad this person is doing it. Yeah, I love it. And I think it's just a great model that other entrepreneurs, other small businesses can follow just at that small scale. I think that's, so hopefully it's, uh, again, sets a good precedent. The third, and especially this is Disability Pride Month, we're just wrapping up. So the third story also is about accessibility. CVS has launched its new Universal Tools collection featuring six self-care tools designed to be more inclusive and accessible. So this includes nail clippers, tweezers, scissors, and other items with wide open handles and non-slip silicone grips. And this, uh, these tools were collaborated with um, members of the disability community, lots of surveys and home testing to make sure these products actually work. I love these are the types of things that I personally don't need at this moment in my life. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for that privilege. And I love that folks are really thinking about this. It just makes me so happy. 
Absolutely. It gives such a joy also. You know, when you really look at folks, and I know how difficult it is when I want to clip my nails. It's so slippery, especially when I come out of the shower, I want to do it. And then it feels like, oh my God, this is, for me, I can do it today. But there are people who have nervous weakness, you know, and the bones, and they're not able to do it. It's important to consider a human being in every creation that you start doing it. And that's the only way we can change going forward in our society, not just having inclusive ramps and uh, stickers saying you're handicapped, but really integrating. It's not about inclusivity, but integrating that within your systems, within your applications, within your procedures, your policies. Interestingly, I want to bring one point. It's important for companies to be mindful of their employees who have disabilities because a lot of them today don't want to identify that they have disabilities because the bosses, the company, the leaders in the company are not mindful of these folks. And a lot of, I was consulting for a company and uh, when I was speaking to their disability vice president, the chairman of that group, she was mentioning that uh, Celia, I, a lot of people in our folks don't identify as people with disabilities because they are afraid of coming out. They will not be given a key initiative. They might be fired. And it, to me, it mattered a lot because it's not about visible disabilities, but invisible disabilities. People who are neurodivergent, people who have dyslexia, people who have autism in the spectrum. There's so much that's going on. And it's important for companies to keep in mind all the aspects of disability and trying to change and educate. It's important for leaders to also talk about disability openly. I remember there was a big pharmaceutical company where the senior vice president spoke about her disability and it made such a big change. The number of people who identified in that checkbox saying, I have disabilities went up by a massive percentage. Yeah, we have to normalize it. Exactly, that's what is important today. Exactly. All right. The next story is about an armless pilot named Jessica Cox, who's the world's first licensed pilot without arms, who currently uses her feet to control traditional planes. But in 2025, she'll be flying around the world in what's being called the Impossible Airplane, a special adaptive plane with a foot control panel on the floor. This is amazing. The innovation, the opportunities that are opening. I kind of just even, uh, you know, this is amazing. Thank you for mentioning that because it gives me so much joy. Of course, people are biased <clears throat> because what is, how do you define normal, right? Right. Everything is normal today. And it's right. just, we can make anything normal. It's There's nothing called abnormal and normal. I started, stopped using that word as abnormal. And um, 25 years back when people looked at me and say, hey, you look normal. And to me, it was very hurtful because I am a normal person. But why do you say that I, why do you assume that I'm abnormal? Oh, it's because you're trans. You you are not a normal person. And that's the kind of language. And the uh, it's important to change these kind of, um, the I would say the words that are used very mm -hmm. commonly within our circles. These kind of uh, narratives have to change. And um, I, I love what, um, I'm hearing because this is a world of technology. The planes can usually even land and take off. There's a lot that's automated within the technology. And this is as technology starts going up and as we start 
creating, I think technology should also be an enabler for people who are unrecognized and marginalized communities. It really helps. It gives me such a joy. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And the last story this week is about Kevin Maxson, an assistant strength and conditioning coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is a national football league team here in the U.S., Kevin is the first male coach in major American men's professional sports to publicly come out as gay. I mean, this is shocking, but it, it, it is and it's not because very few athletes are at the professional level are out as well. So, you know, we don't often celebrate coming out stories here on Five Things, but sometimes they really do break a lot of ground. So I uh, want to give a shout out to Kevin for his bravery in coming out. Absolutely. Thank you, Kevin, for doing that, because we need people like you. We have to make sure that it's all about, like I was telling earlier in the show, right? Being gay or being trans is not our goal. We want to be part of the world where we are really enhancing the world. We are empowering people. And that is the key thing that people need to look at. Um, and it's not about who you are, but what you do is so important. And to me, that matters a lot because I want to add value to the companies. I want to add value to a community. I want to add value to wherever I can. And that's what changes the minds and hearts of people. Change comes from the heart of the employees, not from the letterhead of the companies. So it's so important when you really look at this kind of an inclusive world. It's not about Kevin being gay, but it's about Kevin really empowering people who are straight or maybe they are Hey, they don't want they don't want to come out. Now Kevin coming out can really give such a amazing hope to the younger generation who are watching Kevin. I think that's the beautiful story that I would love to take from this great uh, news clip. Thank you, Bernard, for mentioning that. Yes, thank you, Celia, for joining me in, in celebrating these wins. Can you tell me how folks can or tell us how folks can keep in touch with you or, or connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn and you can always Google my website. It's uh, ribicon.com, R-E-B-K-O-N.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. It's Celia San, which is my middle name, Sandhya, but it's the first three letters. It's Celia San Daniels, uh, hashtag our ampersand. You will find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So thank you so much. And if you don't find me, just Google me. You will get me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, in the call to action this week, just a reminder that August is National Black Business Month, which is a time to recognize and support Black-owned businesses and entrepreneurs, which, of course, we should all be doing all year long. But uh, add some extra intention this month. And I'm going to shout out a, a great local business here in Chicago that ships nationwide that I use for my corporate gifts. And that is Tubby's Taste, which makes delicious island-inspired cookies. I sent them out as corporate gifts last year, and my clients were very happy. So shout out to Tubby's Taste. And if you don't already get the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at Five Things DEI. Com. Thank you so much, Celia, for being a great guest. Hope you have a great week. Thank you, Bernadette. Thank you for this amazing conversation. It just empowers my day today. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. 
I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for five things in 15 minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI.